It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. And of course, the question is, can Ben Stokes lead England to those glories, Simon, that you commentated so expansively and so excitedly on from 2019 as the new England Test captain? So we'll discuss that, Simon Hughes and Simon Mann with you here. And also in this show, later on, we have this guest. I never want to be a cricketer, I want to be a boxer. And my dad took me to the old one in 76, put me on the edge of the rope. I never watched cricket before until 76. I saw this tall, elegant man walking towards me. I thought he was coming down to field. He turned around and bowled. It was Michael Holden. And I was lucky enough. I think he took, I'm sure he took eight that day. I was in the car. I said, Dad, I want to be a fast bowler. I said, Dad, I don't want to box. I'm no good at it. Please let me be a fast bowler. And, and I just remember trying to mimic what he did. I used to get my mates to get a bat in the playground on concrete and we used to wet the ball so it used to skid off a bit quicker and that's where I learned to bowl quick, it's in the playground. And a lot of my mates thought, yeah, well, we're back against you and I used to, you know, to wet the ball and skid off and hit them. It was only a tennis ball, but when it got wet, it used to stink. Then I went down to my local cricket club, Gloucester City. Coach again said, what do you do? I said, I bowl fast. He said, what else do you do? I said, don't do anything else, I bowl fast. And I didn't have a clue about what, you know, what cricket was. I just said, I bowl fast. So he said, okay, here's the ball. I took at my, I, I, I did my cream because I, I said, Plimsoles, I, I, I took my run up and, and I tried to go as far back as possible. <laughs> and I ran in and I remember bowling this delivery and and I skidded because I didn't have a grip on my skin. And I ended up flying down halfway down the wicket. And I remember the coach, his name was Brian Warren, said that was the quickest delivery he's ever seen from a young kid of 13. Who's that then? Well, of course, uh, we build that in Twitter, actually, that it's David Lawrence, Sid Lawrence, Gloucestershire's first ever black president. And he was a guest in the Virtual Cricket Club the other night. And so we'll hear plenty from him about his plans and actually his origins in getting into the game as well later in the show. But we should, Simon, first talk about the, the inevitable appointment of Ben Stokes as captain. Everybody thought it would happen. Rob Key did the sensible thing. Is that how you look at it? Well, we talked about this last week, didn't we, Oz? We said, you know, do the, the logical, straightforward thing. Ben Stokes has been vice-captain of the England cricket team for a while. He captained England in one-day cricket last summer. You know, if, if, if not Ben Stokes, then who? And also, why was Ben Stokes vice-captain if you're not going to then turn to him as the next England captain? The reservations, of course are based on what happened to Ian Botham, who had a lot on his plate as an all-rounder, England's talisman, Andrew Flintoff, same story. But just because they're all-rounders doesn't mean to say they're the same type of person. So 
also Ben Stokes is thirty. What, what did Ian Botham get the the job at? Probably much younger, early mid twenties, something like you know, about twenty four, twenty five from, from memory, off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. And also as well, he was up against uh, you know the West Indies team. You know, he had a really tough. Uh, baptism and it, it didn't go particularly well, of course. And well, he, you he, say it didn't go particularly well. I mean, well, of course, Botham's record as captain was played 10 1 0. Yeah. And who knows, Ben Stokes' record as captain might be the same. I and mean, he's actually played one and lost one so far. I mean, I was there. You talk about actually Ian Botham playing against the West Indies. Of course, Ben Stokes' only test match so far in charge has been against the West Indies down in Southampton, the first match after lockdown. And England lost the game against, you know, a, a West Indies side that were not that good, let's face it. Uh, especially in English conditions. England went on to win the series, but he did that match in Southampton. It was a great game of cricket, actually. A really fascinating game, but West Indies managed to win. But, I mean, you know, it's a very small uh, sample size uh, uh, to go on. So, yeah, England have done the, I think, the logical thing. Really, the, almost the only thing, and well, not quite the only thing, they could have gone elsewhere, but that would have been a bit left field, I think, to, to have gone elsewhere. So, yeah, and, and and the point we made last week, you know, imagine saying, uh, no, Ben, uh, we're not going to go to you. You've been the vice captain. Uh, you, you know, you are the talisman on the side. You know, you did captain last summer in one day cricket and won, win three nil against Pakistan. We're going to go somewhere else. Uh, we're going to we're going to pluck out Charles Smith uh, from Northumberland to do the job. Uh, it would have just been re- really weird, wouldn't it? I think it doesn't doesn't guarantee anything, but I think it's the for now, it's the, it's the logical choice. Yeah, and I think he, he is a captain bursting to come out of that body um, because you just look at him. He, he wants to contribute to the, the, the whole strategy all the time. Watching him in the field, you can see his mind is working and he's pointing at things and talking to players. And, you know, he's a very engaged character. And there's sometimes someone like an Ian Botham character was very engaged when he was actually bowling or batting but probably quite detached, actually, when he wasn't. You know, when he was sort of in the dressing room or something, he would have been sleeping or talking to a friend or reading a paper or whatever. But Stokes is someone who's just constantly engaged. He's energised by the game. He's desperate to improve. He's desperate for England to improve. Looking at his... You know, people have said to me, uh, will it affect his game? Will it affect his contribution? I don't. I think, if if anything, it could inspire his contribution. Actually, uh, his batting average has declined slightly from a a high of thirty eight in twenty twenty to a, a thirty five point seven or something now. So disappointing, actually, his performances with the bat. But then, of course, he was out of the game test match game for a while last year. It took a little bit of time to get back into it in the Ashes. Um, he's still got a better batting average than bowling average, which, you know, in your kind of uh, description or um, evaluation of all-rounders is important, that the batting average is higher than the bowling average. Not a great bowling average, 32. I mean, I think one of the things that is going to challenge him is how much he uses his bowling as captain, because sometimes in the middle of bowling spells, you, don't, you can't get hold of the ball, you can't get the ball off him. And, you know, he's going to have to kind of regulate his contributions with the ball because of his injury track record as much as anything. So that will be one of the challenges, I think. But actually, where he bats, four or five, is a perfect place for a batsman. I think it's tough. If you're the opening batsman or the number three and captain, that really is tough because you just get no breathing space. You're getting the pads on as soon as you got off the field. Four or five just gives you that little bit of of a break, hopefully, although perhaps not in England's case, um, before before you have to actually get out there again. So I, I think, you know, in many ways, it's a perfect time for, for Stokes now in his early 30s to take to take the reins. Do you see any prospect? You, you mentioned, you know, top order is tough because, you, you know, you especially if you've been bowling or bowling some overs anyway, and then you, you, you're right out there again if you're strapping the pads on, if you're batting the top order. Do you think there's any logical argument for him going back to number six again so you know to fill that sort of mid, real middle order role uh, yeah if, possibly if, I mean it, I suppose the only thing I'd say about that is that he takes his time to get into an innings now uh, whereas in the past he could kind of get going quite quickly I think he prefers now to to really get stuck in defensively for for a while and so a number five spot might be uh, enable him to do that Whereas number six, 
sometimes you're a game changer sort of position there. But he is a game and, changer, isn't he? I mean, well, he I, is a game changer. Well, 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 I suppose he takes a bit question. of time to... Here's the question: Is what what is his role in 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 this England side? It could it be a slightly different one? Is it as as a game changer? But whereas I, I agree with you, recently he's sort of he's he's become far more of a batting all rounder, hasn't he? Or you know he's become more of a batsman in a sense. You know the responsibilities are there, and he's taken that responsibility on by by taking his time to get in. Um, we have seen him, but but I think at six you can still give yourself a bit of time, and then you can go because you you are the the role is is slightly different. Anyway, it's just a thought I had whether he might drop down to number six because of the the, the demands on him possibly. And actually, you know, it might be that he's a bit more effective at six. And actually, you can what that does is put a bit more responsibility on some of the the, the, the batters further up the order. Say, Come on, right, this is you know. This is our captain. He's our sort of talisman. He's in the middle order. You show your own responsibility, and and Dan will get some runs in that in that sort of top order. But he's, of course, yeah. he's good enough to bat five. He's probably possibly good enough to bat higher than five, isn't he? That's that, that's the thing. So what is that? What do England do with him? Is it, is it asking yeah. a bit too much to say bat five, captain side, and bowl, you know, x number of overs as as England's fourth seamer? I like your suggestion. You know, number six, it's it's a good pivotal position as long as you've got decent batsmen behind you. Well, yeah. So a, a decent wicketkeeper and, you know, a couple of reasonable all-rounders. But I, I don't know. I think he could be wasted at six. Mm. You look at the some of the really significant innings he's played, they have taken quite a long time. Mm. I'd just prefer to give him that time. So I think five. Fair enough. Okay. Well, it's just, it was just a thought that whether you know six might be the option um, if he is the captain. But it cl- you know, clearly is good enough to bat you know, higher than six. I mean, there have been some suggestions he could bat at number uh, three for England. Uh, I don't think I don't see that happening. In no, certainly no. C- certainly not as captain anyway. No. And we got Joe Root. Joe Root's up there at number three now anyway, and that's you know, well, I, I presume that's locked in. Um, yeah. I, again, it, it, it's, I suppose it's up for discussion. Mm. More, uh, more interestingly, uh, I think one of the first things that Stokes, Stroke, Rob Key will do is is bring back Anderson and Broad. It sounds like they've already been uh, very carefully and yeah. encouragingly spoken to. I see Anderson three for twenty four yesterday, knocked over James Vince early on uh, in the, the Lancashire Hampshire game. Stuart Broad less successful, one for sixty, I think, or one for forty or something off his eight overs. But uh, I'm sure he'll get get into a gallop. Pretty soon, and uh, Rob Key's intention to to pick the best team is also very sensible. Yeah, I, I had that sort of hunch about the West Indies. I, you know, I was ambivalent about Anderson Broad being left out. You know, I could I could see what they were trying to do uh, in the Caribbean, but also there's that. I mean, there was that feeling, wasn't it? You are, are England good enough to say, oh, we're going to you know just look at the future. You know, it, it has to be tried to win every test match in front of you, don't you? I, I think that's what they've lost a little bit. And, well, it, it sounds, well, clearly... That, that's that's the way an understatement. Gonna, yeah, that's the way they're going to go this summer, isn't it? And, and that's got to be the right thing. You know, the, next, the most important game is the next one. And, and take it from there and, and, and see what works out from there. Yeah, you know, I suppose, I mean, it's easy to say that, but, you know... The, Succession planning is also important, and the, the in a way it's it's difficult for selectors because, particularly, particularly in Anderson's case, he keeps defying humanity, um, you know, longevity by constantly performing when most logic would say this guy's got to be in in decline, but he's not. He he still maintains his incredible fitness levels and. Penetrative bowling and bowling. So what's speeds. wrong with that then? Why not? Well, nothing's wrong with it. But <laughs> what I'm saying is that in the past you would assume that someone in their late thirties mm. was in decline, but but neither Broad or Anderson seem to be, mm. and so they keep kind of almost confounding the selectors uh, who who are trying to kind of plan for succession. But maybe they nap. Actually, they don't need to because these guys are just keep going. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You know, eventually they're going to fall in a heap, aren't they? And you're suddenly going to need two bowlers to take their places, and that's sort of what they tried in the West Indies. And Saqib Mahmood had a, you know, he he showed promise, didn't he, in in that Test match? Matt Fisher got a wicket early on. Of course, he's now out for a month uh, with a a back injury. 
But I just wonder at the moment, where England are at the moment is is just win the next Test match. The most important game is that first one against New Zealand at Lords, and then move on from there. I saw Rob Key say yesterday. You know, it doesn't mean to say they're going to they're going to come back into the frame, but it doesn't mean to say they're going to play the next game or or all summer. We'll, we'll, we'll take it on a, a game by game basis, and the nature of that series actually against New Zealand suggests that they're going to have to rotate a little bit anyway, because they basically got four pretty close test matches, haven't they? We've got the three against New Zealand in June, and then straight away in July, one against India. So it's quite an intense schedule anyway. So it's inevitable you're going to need a pool of fast bowlers. And that's, that's sort of the way they go now anyway, isn't it, really? Uh, it's, it's very hard for you to, to play all the games. I mean, that's one of the issues that Australia are going to have down the line with Pat Cummins, I suppose, is you know, can he play every single game? And you probably have to try to piece together the schedule accordingly. And I mean, Cummins actually is an interesting um, sort of test case, isn't it, for someone who you know, like Stokes, who I mean, Cummins is right at that heart of the Australian side, bowling his overs. I supposedly, you know, should be quite useful as a batter down the order. Of course, he's not as high or as good as as Ben Stokes as a, a batter, but but also he he is someone who sort of really does feel like the focal point of that Australian side as well. And you know, similarly with Stokes, and I think it's worked quite well. Uh, for Australia so far with Cummins, early days of course, but I mean, a win over England, emphatic win over England, win in Pakistan, not bad for starters. Another key appointment, no pun intended, will be the coach, the next test coach, Gary Kirsten is rumoured. And in a way, the coach is important, of course, not just for setting strategy and and all the detail, but also taking the, the pressure off the captain, and uh, and doing all the kind of things that that captains sometimes find themselves doing, Gary Kirsten I think would be very good uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean, firstly, his experience working with the likes of India and so on, and working at Test match level for other countries, and I think also the the, the fact that he he's a dogged batsman, you know, he never gave his wicket away. He understands the art and importance of concentration and building a, a platform and establishing a position. And I think he will be very strong in getting England's structure, their batting structure, really organised so that they do create that platform for the bowlers. Uh, do you know it's going to be Gary Kirsten or are you just saying that's one of the one of the names oh, it's that, rumored, that's been it's put rumored. forward? And, and I think he would be a good choice. And... Well, Rob Key listens to this podcast, so maybe maybe we can influence him. Uh, I, I just think I think Gary Kirsten's got a lot of integrity. He's been around the traps, you know. He's he's worked at various countries. He's done lots of different jobs. He's a specialist batting coach as well. Runs his own academy in in Western Province, and he's just a fantastic man who loves the game, uh, sees the sort of bigger picture, and he's a very easy person to work with, talk to. He's intelligent, he's uh, responsive, quote, open-minded, but I think also quite strong and clear in his vision. Yeah, well, I, th- I thought Gary Kirsten should have got it last time, to be honest, uh, ahead of Chris Silverwood, uh, but they didn't go down that uh, route. Uh, Gary Kirsten's, I, I think that one of the issues was that Chris Silverwood's uh, presentation at the interview was really impressive whereas Gary Kirsten I think used the strategy that he did when he went to India because he because when he went to, to be the India coach he sort of went there and he said right ask me what you ask me whatever you want rather than give a presentation um cause you, you've invited me here clearly you, you see something in me and I, I my understanding is he did you know it, he went used that approach again whereas Chris Silver did a really uh, detailed um, and impressive uh, presentation uh, th- there we go. Anyway, so he Gary sounds Kirsten like me when I go games. to those meetings. I mean, <laughs> I, I I just think some of this stuff is just a load of BS, really. And you got to de- delivery is is what it's all about. Execution rather than talking a game. Yeah, I mean, you 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 have got to have a strategy, though, haven't you? You've got you've got to get your vision across, I suppose. You know, I mean, there, there are different ways. Listen, there are different ways of doing it, aren't there? And different, and I suppose the skill is in the people who are doing the interviews, actually, to try to understand what it is the person in front of you is trying to get across and why they've approached it in that particular way and, and have that imagination, perhaps left-field thinking, 
to say, okay, they, this person can offer us this. He's got this sort of experience. This person can offer us this. Perhaps he doesn't have as as much experience, or she doesn't have as much experience. So yeah, you know, it, so it's not it's not just about the person being interviewed. It's also about the skill of the interviewees as well, and your your HR process. And maybe um, um, in that sense, someone like Simon Katic, who's been mentioned as the possible white ball coach has an advantage because he's worked with Rob Key on commentary uh, in the Australia-Pakistan series recently. And you get a good sense of someone when you're, especially on live commentary, as you know, you get a good sense of someone's personality, their observations, their views, you know, their kind of attitudes when you work with someone quite closely like that and on commentary and sort of analysing players and so on. And Katic, I mean, you've worked with him a bit as well. What, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I, I worked with him on the last but one Ashes tour over in Australia. He was working for ABC. He was part of their commentary team. Like not nice, gentle sense of humour, sort of quiet, thoughtful um, commentator. I, I, I really liked him. I, I found him, you know, very easy, to, easy to work with. Sort of, I mean, I don't know what he's like, sort of in the dressing room and out on the cricket field. But he seemed like quite a sort of unassuming, quite a gentle sort of man. Um, anyway, that's only my impression, and I work with him again for for BT a bit in in the winter as well, and and just similar, you know, thoughtful, thoughtful man, you know, a, a good analyst of the game. Yeah, and 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 he's done his his jobs in short format cricket, working in the IPL and the Big Bash and so on. So uh, again, lots of experience. I think it's really good to have worldly experience to have worked with overseas teams when you come into the England job. Just something worthy of note with Simon Cattage. He was actually supposed to be working in the IPL with the Sunrisers Hyderabad as their assistant coach. And he resigned from his position back in February. And there was a lot of talk about, you know, the reason behind this. One of the reasons given was that he wanted to avoid a, a long period in the IPL you know, bio bubble, uh, but there were also there was all, you know also reports behind the scenes that he wasn't happy with Sunrisers' strategy at the auction, and he, he you know he wasn't happy with the way they went. So anyway, you that that's something that can be if he does become the England uh, one day coach or white ball coach, perhaps can be teased out uh, sometime in the future. You know the the, the real reasons uh, for it, but I mean that sh- that actually shows, doesn't it, a sort of quite a strong mind if if that's the case. Uh, you know, I, I'm not happy with the way we went. I don't. I'm not sure how the season's going to pan out. As it's turned out, actually, Sunrisers, they made it. I watched one of their early games. They looked absolutely dreadful. They looked as if they were just going to fall in a heap again, as they did last year. But suddenly, they've really picked up. Although they were downed by that amazing uh, conclusion the other day, when um, Rashid Khan hit six after six in the final over and 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 won the game for. For Gujarat. So anyway, that's just that's just a little side issue with, with Simon Cattage. One other name that's been mentioned, I mean, lots of names have been mentioned, of course they have, uh, is, is Graham Ford as a potential test match coach. And that's someone Rob Key has, has worked with at, at Kent. He's the former Sri Lanka coach. He's the former Ireland coach. And he's also uh, he, he's also worked very closely with Kevin Peterson, didn't he, on his, his batting. So Graham Ford is an, another name that's that's been mentioned. I don't, you'd, I don't know whether that is because... Um, that people have put two and two together, you know, the past link between Rob Key and, and Graham Ford. You don't just want to employ all the people you know sort of Jobs in the game. Jobs for the boys. Do you? <laughs> well, you don't want that. And I'm sure, I'm, you know, I'm sure that won't happen. I think one, one thing you know, we, we can say about Rob Key, this is, this is the best moment of his job in a way, in a way at the moment, or the, the, the most straightforward in a, in a, in a well, way, isn't it? Because you haven't played a game. <laughs> well, you haven't played a game and you've appointed the captain who's the obvious a choice and and now you've got things like you know who who are the two coaches going to be who's going to be the selector it looks actually as though that's going to be delayed for a while and just just reading some of Rob's comments yesterday it seems like he's quite keen to be involved in the the selection of the the squad stroke team himself uh, for that first test match i suppose you could sort of understand it. it's alex stewart's point really and 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 you know and ended up chris silverwood taking com- complete control of selection you know if your head is on the chopping block you really actually want to have the players that that you want. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's it's it happens in football, doesn't it? You you select the team because you're you're the one who's responsible for the results. Well, that's the way it's seen anyway. Where sometimes the the coach is sort of oh, can be not not sidelined because the captain often gets the team they want or the selectors you know give you the the squad. I mean, generally speaking, 
captain coach roughly get what they want anyway, don't they? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Ben Stokes is going to get get what he yeah. wants. I mean, that's going to be quite an interesting conversation when it comes to the final eleven: Stokes versus Key versus whoever's the coach. And I, I'm pretty sure Stokes will get his way, and and actually Key will will understand that and give him his due as well, especially first test. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's the way it often happens. I mean, Michael Vaughan, I think he said when he was England captain, he you know he, I think he pretty much got every team that he wanted, you know, for, for every game. And so there is that that conversation in the round between those who sort of have you know put their two penneth worth in there, you know, the coach, the captain, the the selector, the, or the national, the head selector, whatever that is. Because I, I, I suppose there, there is. I know everyone can see all the streams these days, but there is a, you know, there is a value in having a, a national selector goes round and sees the new oh, players. Absolutely. I mean, not, not least, not least the the Lions players who are the emerging players. No, you that... absolutely need that. And Jeff Miller, Dusty Miller, who was in our virtual cricket club a few weeks ago, absolutely said that. And the reason really is that it's not just about seeing their ability in black and white or multicolour. It's about talking to other players, colleagues, opponents, coaches, managing directors, whoever, who, who've worked with these players and talking to the player themselves, actually, uh, about their approach and their preparation and their ambition and so on. And just getting a sense of what they're about, because, you know, especially test match cricket is so much about character as, as much as it is about ability. And you can't really establish character by watching a stream with two cameras, one each end. No, and uh, just going back in the day, and this is an old story, isn't it? I mean, Tony Gregg. Remember when he was trying to find players uh, to take on the the West Indies in Australia in the the mid seventies? He he went round and he sp- did he speak to umpires? And he said, yes, hey, which, yes, which which batters out there are you know have got the character, have got the grit to stand up to uh, the, the Australia and the West Indies? And the name that came up was David, famously was David Steele at, at Northamptonshire, who's into his thirties, and he had those sort of two golden summers. And yeah, in in a way, justified what the experienced cricket watchers out there um, saw saw with their own eyes, and prompted, of course, Jeff Thompson's famous comment when Steele emerged. Who have we got here, Father Christmas? Yeah. He did his he did his bit though, Steely, didn't he? Stainless, as they as they called him. And let's hope Stokes and Key and their alliance together brings greater prosperity to England. And I, you can't really ask for two more kind of dedicated or decent men, actually, ultimately, to, to do that job. Yeah, I, I've said it before, you don't expect too much too soon. Uh, there, there is talent out there in the, in the English game, um, but it might well take a, a while to harness and there might be a few uh, blips on the way. There's, I mean, there's another Ashes series next summer, isn't there? I mean, we, we forget that. Well, it's easy to forget that. Uh, okay, we don't want to look too far ahead, but it's not too far away. And then that, of course, is a uh, always a benchmark for an, an English team is a an Ashes series, and it's not actually that far away. It's only just over a, a year away before Australia come to try to win in England for the first time since two thousand and one. A lot is made of the fact that England hardly ever win in Australia or get thumped most of the time in, in Australia. Australia haven't won here since two thousand and one. Although the series tend to be a bit more, far more competitive uh, than the ones that are played in Australia. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Now, a different challenge presents our main guest today, who was in our virtual cricket club the other night. 
as the new president of Gloucestershire, the first black president of Gloucestershire. It's the man who was always known in the game as Hissing Sid, and he was hissing when you faced him. It, you, it was just this huge muscle-bound figure charging towards you like a rhino, hissing and breathing fury, hurling the ball down as fast as he could. And it was a pretty terrifying sight if you're at the other end, and I was, and I absolutely hated it. But uh, what a wonderful man, David Lawrence, as of course he's officially known. And uh, he was the guest in our virtual cricket club, and he was appointed very recently as Gloucestershire's first black president. And so the first thing he talked about was his plans for Gloucestershire. And the point he made, yours that it's not just an honorary position he wants to make a real difference there's a lot of people who think it's a bit of a um, tick in the box exercise um because what has happened um, in cricket over the last six months my documentary with sky on um, the saga um yorkshire the the landscape of cricket had to change now okay um me being the first black president for gloucestershire it, it, first of all, it was a great honour for them to ask me, uh, and I'm so proud to take the role. But I'm not going to be a guy who just sits around and does nothing. The club know already I've got big plans, not big plans, but things just to make them a bit more current. Instead of just a cricket side, a cricket club, I want them to be more current in what's going on and be a bit more part of the community. I've gone to them with my ideas, and they're all for it. I've got a great story to tell about my cricket career how I started, how I was derailed, how I kind of, you know, was disorganised and, you know, thought, you know, got signed by Gloucester, thought I was a bit of a Jack Delad being out all nights, being arrested, sitting in police cells, being bailed, um, certain people coming into my life at the right time, um, which I, I'm sure you know the story about Viv Richards. Well, <laughs> I know. don't. Tell, tell yeah, us. Yeah, the, the story is, was, uh, you know, Tony Brown at the time, I got myself in a bit of bother. I was 17, 16, moved to Bristol, got involved in a couple of scraps, got arrested in the cells, had to phone, to, it was a funny story. At the beginning of the season, Tony Brown said to the boys in a pre-season kind of meeting, I don't care what time of day, it was all night, give me a ring if you got a problem. Well, I got arrested, I was 16 in the cells, I said, you could have one phone call. It was three o'clock in the morning. I said, Tony, do you remember you said that I could ring you anytime? He wasn't that happy, I must have been. He got me a solicitor and he said, I want you at the county ground, you remember, I was only, like I said, 16, 17. I want you to county ground, nine o'clock sharp. So I got to the county ground. He sat me in his car, didn't have a clue where we were going. We were just driving down the motorway. We drove into another cricket ground. He sat me on a stool. He said, you sit there. And Tony Brown was quite, he had those piercing blue eyes. He was quite a, he was quite a scary character when he wanted to be. And from a distance, I saw this fella walking towards me in a red track. I remember it was a bright red tracksuit with this swagger. And it was Viv Richards coming towards me. I was at Taunton. And he arranged Viv Richards to have this chat with me, to sit me down. He sat next to me. And I was, you're talking, he was my hero. And he's sitting next to me. And I'm just looking at him. I didn't know what, you're just completely starstruck. And he just gave me this, it was the most um, fantastic kind of mental kind of chat about you. Sometimes in life, you only get one chance. And you've got to grab it with, um, and you've got to be twice as good but don't miss out on this opportunity that you've been given. So he's given me this pet talk 14 years when I was, I was 16. And then 15 years later, I'm at the top of my run, bowling to Viv Richards in his last test match, and I get him out in his last test match. What about that for a story? <laughs> you know, and I, I'm the guy who gets him out in his last test match, and he's the guy really who put me on the right track on the start of my career. And at the end of his career, I'm bowling to him and I'm the last man to get him out in his last test match. Incredible, you know, but um, yeah. Um, yeah, so for me, that was something what really changed me and put me on a straight and narrow. So 82, that was. Yeah. So I was 16, 17. I was a young lad, and, but mm. you know, took time out of his day. Tony Brown organised it. And um, I always had to thank Tony for that because the club thought, nah, get rid of this kid. <laughs> He's, he's just going to be more trouble than he's worth. We don't care what talent he has. Get rid of him. And Tony Brown said, no, this guy's got something. I want to stick with him. And he stuck his neck out for him. And I said, I'll never let him down. I didn't. Yeah, so those are stories that I, I, I want to be able to tell. 
um, youngsters, tell them of my story, my journey. Um, and it's a, it's a great story. I've got some great things I can tell them. Hopefully I can inspire one of them. So that's one of the projects I'm going to go out to the schools, um, to the inner city schools, you know, and tell my story. Within that story, I mean, what, what do you, obviously that's a brilliant start. So what did cricket do for you and how did that help you and what did it give you in the end? Well, it gave me a lot of discipline. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, as that documentary showed um, and, on, um, on Sky, oh. I had a lot of downtime where I was subjected to racial abuse by, you know, not just on the field. When I went to Yorkshire, I had an incident with my own teammates. Um, so there were some really low moments. Um, and I think you have to be very strong, strong-minded, strong-willed. I remember sitting in my hotel room and thinking, what makes me different to everybody else? Why have I got to suffer this racial abuse or my own teammates? Back then, as you know, yours, there was nowhere to turn. You couldn't turn anywhere. My club didn't even investigate the matter. And I hope that if somebody hears my story and they're having difficulties to to progress to that pathway to success and they feel it's being hindered because of their color, because of their gender, because of their religion, then hopefully listening to my story, that hopefully that can inspire them to, to speak out. Obviously, we, we, I mean, we're all horrified to hear of what you experienced. And I, I got a bit of a wind of it, I suppose, earlier on, a few 20 years ago, I remember hearing some whispers about this and it was horrible to hear. Do you think actually that being a fast bowler, some of your experiences sort of almost motivated you to to try even harder kind of thing. Oh, I mean, people say that to me. I said, no, but the only motivation and the people I give credit to is my, is my parents. They're the ones who, who motivated me and told me, if you want to succeed, you've got to be twice as good. You can't be average. You can't be equal. You've got to be twice as good. And that always stuck in my mind. When I turned up at county trials, I was the only kid from state school. All the kids were from private school. You're talking back in the 70s now. You know, my school didn't play cricket, but I was put forward to, to go to the school's cricket trials. And I remember turning up in a, <laughs> I just had a Tesco's bag and my whites was in there with, I didn't have proper cricket boots, I had plimsolls. But I was so quick that the coaches, they could not pick me. I was just twice as fast as all the other kids. Um, they had no choice. You know, if I was equal, I don't think I would have gotten because I didn't fit their criteria. I wasn't from the right school, but they had no choice. The player said that a racially abused you at Gloucestershire. Have you spoken to him since? Have you, yeah, yeah, has there been a rapprochement? Yeah, yeah. You know, since the documentary came out, I did get a phone call and we sat down and had lunch. You got to remember, I played with that person for, mm. you know, for a good you know, all of my career, basically. Yeah, it, it was a tough sit down. It was emotional for both of us. And when I did that documentary, I don't know if you saw it, but I was very tearful because it really did bring up a lot of things I buried. Yeah, so it was hard to talk about, but he rang me, we sat down, you know, and so long as he has learnt and it's educated him to be a better person, then I'm happy to sit down and, and move on. Just picking up on your um, your aims uh, as the new chairman, what sort of things uh, do you want to do? You said you talked to the club about, you know, some of your ideas. Do you want to just give us a? Well, a taste you know, of we want to. We have a carnival, St Paul's Carnival, is very similar to the Nottingham Festival on Carnival. We've never celebrated as a club, and it's just a mile down the road. So it's things like that I want to be able to celebrate within the club. We have a gay pride. Um, in Bristol, you know, I've said I want to fly a rainbow flag next to the Gloucestershire um, flag when it's gay pride in Bristol, and they are totally up for that. Those are the things this season I want to achieve. I'm going to get a food bank in the club. Every county should have a food bank that people can, members and people can drop off food. It can be collected once a month and distributed around the community. That should be standard for every single county club. And for me, it amazes me that nobody's done it yet. Mm. Uh, I'm just, you know, kind of, and that is what I talk about current things. That's current. Um, mm. And clubs, I think, just need to catch up and be a bit more current in what they do. 
I guess uh, because you're very much kind of Gloucestershire born and bred, you are very much part of the community and you've kind of got another life, which is, you know, running a nightclub and all that. So I suppose that helps you stay young in a way, does it? Yeah. And I, and I can, you know, basically I can see, you know, the youngsters, you know, how they, what they've got to deal with day to day. You know, it's not everybody what I, I come across have got life rosy. Some of them have got it tough. Um, and I'm hopefully can, I'm able to communicate with them. They're able to share their stories with me. And yeah, it, it's, and I'm talking about not just, I'm talking about inner city kids. The site's going to be black, white, it doesn't matter. I just, hopefully my role um, can be, make me more visible in the community. You, you must be um, the first county chairman in history runs a nightclub, surely. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I think they're all ex-school teachers. So um, um, I'm probably the first, definitely. So that's going to be a, a, a one-off. Are you surprised to sort of suddenly have this role, Sid? I mean, you're, you're, you're in your late 50s now, aren't you? I mean, you've, you've been sort of a long time away from the club, really. my age there, thank, thank you very much, Simon. Look, no, you know, if you have asked me, well, I've got this role only two, three years ago, probably not. Would it, would it, I have fit the criteria to have the job? Probably not. Um, like I said, the, the landscape of everything has changed. I think cricket's got to catch up with more diversity. And I think, yes, I had to think about the, to taking the role. Obviously, I didn't just jump on it. It took me three months to sit down with my family, uh, my son, um, my wife, uh, and discuss it, you know, um, are you, are they offering you for the right reason? Is it a PR exercise, which, you know, I, you know, admittedly a lot of clubs at the moment could quite easily do. It's just a PR exercise because cricket's under the microscope. Let's do this PR exercise. Let's get everybody off us and say, we're doing this, we're doing that. And if it is at the end of the day, you have to start somewhere. If you keep turning down, these roles were offered to you, then where do we start? We can't just say, well, we're not being offered the roles. Whether you think it's for the right reasons or wrong reasons, you've got to start from somewhere. And like I said, if you're asking me, well, I've got this, would that have been possible three, four years ago? No, I don't think so, because I think most people's mindset would have been still back in that old kind of traditional way of thinking with cricket. Just to pick up on one other thing, um, you know, you want to do this, sort of engage the younger generation and the inner city communities and so on. What do you say to them about cricket? Why is cricket important? Why is Gloucestershire important to you and for them? You know, sport in general is a, is is one thing. It's like a, an extended family. Once you get involved with sport, um, I think it's a, it's a great way of, for discipline, um, turning up for, um, for um, time for training and all these things. And I think it's just a, for me, it was a great discipline, uh, and you make and you meet a lot of people, and you mix in different circles. For me, I think it's so important that you know people get involved in sport because it's something I think is missing. Um, I think there's there's a lack of um, youth, what are called youth clubs. What you know, on our day they were called youth clubs, and they're, they're no longer around. Kids used to finish school, go to a youth club, engage in table tennis, all these kinds. These places are all closed down. Um, there's none around anymore and it's it's trying to engage the kids and getting involved in different sports and you know I, I still think that a lot of kids still don't see cricket as a career I think they all see football as this career but they don't understand that cricket can be a career as well and you can earn you know you don't want to just play it for the money but you can earn decent money and you can have it as a career so I think I think you can get that across them as well. But again, it's just not about that. So I think the participation of youngsters, black, Asian, white playing cricket is quite high. But there seems to be a lack of that pathway for them to succeed and go into county cricket. It seems to stop somewhere. And that, you know, and, and we need to know why does it stop when they're 15, 16? Why is that? Why do they fall out? Is it because they're being not encouraged by their coach? There has to be a, a reason why. You know, Yosa, when we were playing, you know, Haringey College was producing so many cricketers. Yeah. And 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 what did the ECB do? Cut the funding. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, and you've got to ask why. Why would you cut the funding of a project what is succeeding and doing really well? You know, and it's producing cricketers from the community. 
you might be in a better position to answer that than me. I have no idea. Are you involved with uh, Ebony's ACE program, Ebony Rave yeah, ACE program? Yeah, I'm going to get involved. I, I, I've, I've spoken to a club. We had a meeting today. What I don't want to do is start stepping on people's toes. I mean, they're doing a fantastic job. Anything I can do to help and hire the profile, then I'm willing to do. They can get on with the coaching and that side. If I can help to hire the profile, then I'm all willing to do that. So I think they're doing a great job. The funding's there, and hopefully the funding continues, and they see these projects. That is my biggest thing, they see these projects through. I love cricket, and I, and I love what's going on. Well, we've got to see these things through. Uh, and for me, I'm passionate about not just changing things on the field. I want to see change in the workplace. I want to see... I want to see change in schools. I want to see change with um, headmasters um, of colour. Um, so we have to, you know, when I walk through Gloucestershire, they talk about it in the field, but when I walk through, I don't see much change in the offices. I don't see much change, you know, I don't, the ECB, they talk about change. I don't see much change when I look through their employer's book from last year, the PCA, I don't see much change there. So we've got to just, just say it's change on the field and we've got to get, get people thinking different. I think overall, we've got to, we've got to change. Everybody should look at themselves. Um, every industry needs to change. What sort of conversations have you had with, with Will Brown, who's the, the chief executive at uh, yeah, I've had, yeah, I mean, Will is very supportive. David Jones, the chair, he's very supportive. And, and they just say, look, you know, just get on and do what you feel you need to do. Um, I don't, you know, I mean, first of all, I'm honoured to have this position. And if I can just do something in those two years that makes a slight change and leave some form of what I've done and people can carry on the baton and not just say, OK, that's what Sid done, that's finished. I want it to continue when I finish my two years tenure. Are you going to be down there on match day every every day? Yeah, and maybe not every day. I mean, you know, but I don't want to be that president who goes every day and it's a chance to invite your mates, sit upstairs with your blazer on, have a few gin and tonics. That's not really going to be me. You know, I'll be down there certain days, yes, but I'm not down there to to entertain. I'm down there to watch the cricket, maybe, and. Off the field, I want to, like I said, the role for me is to do as much as I can do off the field. Not for people just say, oh, I saw Sid today. Great. But that's not what I see my role as. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice though, they really mean flavor. Like in your face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either, but it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice, anything but subtle. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Fantastic man, isn't he, Sid? Uh, and, you know, he just breathes enthusiasm and energy, not least in the fact that uh, his other job is running a nightclub which starts at midnight and finishes at six in the morning, Fridays and Saturday nights. I think he must be the first. Why don't they start them, he... at, why don't they start them at six <laughs> in the evening and finish at midnight? So have that's, you, that's, you haven't got that many hours, teenagers in your house yet, have you? Well, you've got one. but <laughs> I have. I've got, got two. two. Well, I got wait, just wait. Two. Until they get to about 18 or 19, and then... They are. One of them is 19, yeah. And you, you're right. She, she says, about 11 o'clock at night, I'm going out now. To, I'm going out to the club, yeah. You know, they, they basically well, just... don't see much daylight, those kind of age groups. <laughs> Except the daylight at seven in the morning when they're coming home. But... Um... You know, there's something about Sid I, I really love, except obviously facing his, his bowling. And, you know, his story, actually, about how he got into the game in that slightly 
intangible way where you know he he got he was a boxer and actually he got interested by his dad taking him to the oval and seeing michael holding and you know kind of thinking oh i, I fancy that but when he was really quite relatively old you you hear about kids taking up the game when they were five or six but he was 12 which is relatively late really and I think that um, one of the things he obviously wants to do with Gloucestershire is make it even more of a community club, which draws in people from all sides or walks of society. And and in a way, you know, Bristol particularly, it, it's very much a polyglot, isn't it? It's a real interesting mixture of all sorts of cultures. And Gloucestershire could really be that vocal point for all those types. And I think that's what Sid is, is seeking to do, which is a brilliant idea, a brilliant initiative. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I have perhaps felt with Gloucestershire is, is I mean, I'm, I don't live in Bristol anymore, but I did. And just from a distance, it's sort of how bound up in the community is. I'm sure it would say it is very bound up in the community, but sometimes it feels like it's 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 sort of tucked away off the Gloucester Road in Bishopston behind sort of loads of houses. And you you wouldn't well you would you might know it's there now because they've put the floodlights up and you can see it from a distance. But before it was a fairly sort of it was sort of tucked away sort of ground, not sort of really part of the city you, you know you could almost live in the area and not know the ground is there it's slightly different now with the the floodlights up so it would be great to see that change in sort of Gloucestershire to become really sort of part of the the, the community in Bristol and really draw people in yeah and and and, and be a sort of focal point you know. I mean if you think of what's happened say I think they should look at it as what's happened at say Somerset or Essex where you know those two grounds also right in the centre of of the town and I think it should be an advantage to to Gloucestershire that Bristol, the ground, is so much in the heart of that. You know, there's there's quite a few sort of back to back houses around the, the ground itself. It's a very congested area. Mm. They should be drawing all those people to the to the ground. There's thousands of people within. I bet you within a mile mm, of are, the yeah. ground, there, there'd be a huge population of very diverse people. That, that you know that ground could be easily the focal point for all those people yeah it's not in the uh, those of people who don't know the, the county ground in Bristol it's not right it's not in the center not by any means it's sort of out of the center a bit sort of two and a half miles up Gloucester Road uh, out of the center and it's sort of tucked away on a down Neville Road about sort of 300 400 meters no it's perhaps, actually a nightmare a more to than, get to isn't it i can never yeah, find it when yeah, i'm trying to yeah. drive there. well there we are down the wrong road yeah well there we are you know i mean obviously people live in bristol <laughs> everyone's got sat navs these days haven't they and phones and stuff which, which tell them where to yeah, go but there's they, always they one way together. systems yeah. and you know no entries and all sorts you know so it's actually it's very congested around there if they could kind of create a, a more obvious well it's it's hard to create a new access point and in actual fact there is a good access point behind the hotel there but I don't know. I think there's so much potential, personally. Yeah, you you would think so, wouldn't you? It's a big it's a big city. I mean, some people say you know we we need fewer counties. Uh, you know, we got eighteen, and we sort of cut it to fourteen, and so well, who who are going to be the counties to go? And you know, Gloucestershire in recent years of their crowds have not been that that good particularly. There's but it's it's a, it's in a big city. It, it really is. I mean, what's it? I think it's the seventh biggest city in the in the country. Um, you you feel it should be you know a well more I mean they've never won the county championship for example I mean you feel it yeah. should be more uh, successful than it is it has had some great name players associated with it you know, right back to to WG of course Wally Hammond and, and there was Proctorshire in the in the 70s and they came very close to to winning Courtney the title. Walsh Courtney is my Walsh my favourite I mean well, yeah. what an incredible cricketer he mm. was and he of course partnered with Sid yeah. uh, for many years opening the bowling they were a horrible pair of bowlers mm. to face I was unfortunate enough to be night watchman a couple of times and you know both of them basically tried to kill me luckily they never got anywhere near hitting me or getting my stumps as I survived but it, um, Courtney Walsh 1800 first class wickets 17 years as a first class cricketer they called him Duracell because he just kept going mm. And he was the loveliest guy off the field. And then he had that ability with the ball to bowl the old sort of very... I, I remember facing him the first time, actually, and so, so watching him from the stand, from the pavilion at the back there, thinking, he doesn't look that quick. And I got out there, and the first two balls I faced from Courtney Walsh, I blocked. Easy. I thought, well, this is easy. This is what, What's all the fuss about? The third one, short of a length, came from nowhere and just went straight for my neck. And I sort of put my, you know, fended my hands up in the air and palmed a catch to short leg. And I thought, oh, yeah, OK. Yeah, <laughs> he has got something, actually. I don't know where that came from, but it was quick and horrible to face and got me out. Well, that Sid and 
Courtney nearly won Gloucestershire the championship in 1986. They actually had a 52-point lead in August. Can you imagine that? A 52-point lead in August, early August, and they didn't win the title. They lost a match at Essex, and Essex were their main rivals. Essex had some games in hand, and they leapfrogged them and, and won the title by about uh, 25 points. So that you know that was another point where you thought they might win the, the title with, with Sid and, and Courtney roaring in for them. And, and then, of course, they had that great one-day periods of success but in the championship it's been a bit thin they are back in the first division uh, but they've, they've not had a great start to the season uh, they're you know, down towards the bottom with, with Somerset at the moment so there's there's definite room for improvement but I think Sid was making the point wasn't it it's not you know his role is not going to be about what goes on on the field it's about what goes on in the community off the field they, that, that trying to engage I think with the with the well, and, and, and that should lead to, to better cricketers, you know, or more cricketers mm. joining the club, and hopefully some of them will become very good. And I, you know, I I love the underdog. You know, I love the fact that, for instance, the Rajasthan Royals won the first IPL mm. back in two thousand and eight, who the least fancied team captained, of course, by Shane Warne. And in, in, incidentally, just a, a, as an aside, tomorrow at uh, the Rajasthan Royals game in the IPL, they're doing a special commemorative day in memory of Shane Warne. They're putting up some banners and stuff and the, some of the Warne family are travelling out to the match. He's being dubbed the first Royal because, of course, he was captain in that mm. first season. So that's quite a nice touch from the Rajasthan Royals. But I just think... And actually, of course, in fact, Warne, he played in Bristol, didn't he? In, in, in his Before he played Test cricket. He did, yeah. He played in... He was um, a, a, a bit of a lager out, I think, more than, more than anything. Yeah, but a... he certainly, you know, did his grounding in... English club cricket in Bristol. Yeah, indeed he did. He played for Downend, um, which is a, a, a suburb uh, about six, six, seven miles from the, the centre of Bristol, small ground uh, with a churchyard quite near it. I dare say he was he probably hit a few in there. He might well have been, as an 18, 19 year old, might have been hitting there a, a few times. Yeah, he, he, he did. Marcus Truscovic started in the Bristol area as well. Canesham, he? He, Canesham, yeah. yeah just, he got lost to... Lost to Somerset, so you, you missed one there, didn't you? Well, Kane, I mean, Bristol, Bristol's a strange cricketing city, really, because, uh, that, I mean, people say that if you, if you live in North Bristol, you support Gloucestershire. If you live in South Bristol, you support Somerset. Well, if south of the river, you support Somerset. So there, there are parts of Bristol that are Somerset enclaves. And actually, Somerset, in the old days, in the, the John Player League days, Somerset used to play home matches in Bristol, which is a bit, you know, it's a bit strange, isn't it, really? Um, cr cricket, perhaps not quite as tribal as, as football is. But, yeah, that, that, that's the way of it. So, yeah, you, so you're, in, in Bristol, you, if you live in the south, you support Somerset and Bristol City. If you live in the north of Bristol, you live, you're supposed to support Gloucestershire and, and Bristol Rovers. But um, that didn't happen with me. Yeah. And, and actually, Sid is a Bristol Rovers fan, isn't he? Is, yeah. So you and he well, we could have gone hammer and tongs at each other well, the we, other night. Well, we quickly moved on. I mean, Sid, Sid and I used to work, we, we worked on BBC Radio a lot around about the time of Gloucestershire being successful, uh, around about the turn of the century, because we did a lot of commentaries uh, on Gloucestershire matches on, uh, you know, on the BBC. And he was our, our regular summariser. And, and normally it was victory. Three, uh, it's incredible to think, actually, in 2000, Gloucestershire won all three one-day trophies. Uh, it, was a re it was a remarkable side, a side of no sort of real obvious stars. Eddie and Harvey was a very good one-day cricketer. I mean, no sort of gr what you call no great players, but everyone knew their role. Jack Russell, Jack Russell of course. That. Mike Smith, John Lewis, uh, Jerry yeah, Snape. Yeah, they had a formula, didn't they? Mm. They created a formula which was lots of mm. nagging medium paces mm. with Jack Russell stood up to the stumps on what you might call a... I was going to call it a shit heap at Bristol. <laughs> I mean, perhaps that's a bit harsh, but... It wasn't a great pitch. It no. zipped and zapped around, and they worked out a brilliant way of playing there. Mm. Um, it was very effective. Jack Russell was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, Jack yeah. Russell behind the stump, standing up. You could never relax. Mm. He was so good. Well, they didn't just win matches at Bristol, uh, Yards. Of course, they won matches at Lords because they won some finals. So uh, it, it wasn't just about winning the games in Bristol. Touche. <laughs> anyway, um, I think it's, it's time to go. Good luck to, to Sid in what he's trying to do off the field at Gloucestershire. Uh, good luck to, to Rob Key as well. Um, how long does the honeymoon period uh, last for? I don't know how long does, how long do honeymoon periods last for? Normally about a couple of weeks, don't they? But anyway, we'll see. About as long as marriages. <laughs> uh, Rob, we'll, we'll Except in your case. We'll draw Listen, a veil I mean, over that. It's, it's been good talking about the county game and we'll do more of that uh, as the season wears on. Just to tip you off though, actually in the next podcast will be about village cricket. 
because our special guest early next week is the historian James Holland, who's just created an amazing victory for his club team in the Chalk Valley. Uh, so we're going to explore village cricket and also cricket in the Second World War. That's the next podcast coming up in a couple of days' time. But in the meantime, hope you've enjoyed this one and thanks for listening. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.